What's going on, everybody? I'm Kyle Richards, and welcome to the Abstract Sports Podcast, where we bring sports back to life with a fresh perspective on the game from abstract yet popular angles. Pretty exciting stuff that we do over here at Abstract Sports. Uh, we're coming at you live on Facebook right now. Uh, we've got a couple people in the live stream. I'll do my best to resp- respond to comments as we go. Uh, you know, the Facebook live stream has kind of died out since I missed a couple of weeks here and there. The summer months have me going all over the place on weekends and uh, not not just on weekends, obviously. The podcast is on Wednesdays, duh. Um, but life has me busy, therefore it's hard to get to the podcast. But that's not an excuse. Here I am. I got some things to catch up on a little bit. Um, should be a good show for you guys today. But before we get into the sports stuff, I want to talk about some sports-related things uh, and, my, and what I've been up to lately. So I don't know if you noticed, but... Um, I kind of went crazy and started running recreationally. I really don't know what got into me. Um, but I mean, to take it back a little bit when I was in like grade school, middle school, and even a little bit of high school, I was huge into running. Like I, I don't know. I was always like the, this fast kid in my class and people knew I was the fast kid. Um, and ever like when I got to high school, I stopped running like com- uh, competitively. And so I all of a sudden wasn't the fast kid anymore, you know? So <laughs> Uh, it's just kind of interesting in my adult life uh, at the age of 27 now. I'm getting back into running a little bit, but it's more like long-distance endurance running. Um, as I talked about a couple weeks ago in the last podcast, I ran a fire this thing called the Firecracker 5K on the 4th of July. Um, first time I've ever done a 5K, so that was pretty interesting. Uh, even And then after that, I put together a, a review of my new running shoes that I bought after that 5K. And I'll leave that in the comments now in case you're interested. Um, so maybe maybe after the show, you can go check it out. I'll also leave it in the description on YouTube and on SoundCloud later um, in post-production. So let me go drop this in the comments here. And I'll maybe I'll pin that comment. I don't know if I can anymore. Mm, oh, there we go. Pin comment. Yeah, so I just pinned that comment. Go check out that video and talk about the shoes that I bought. But I also did a lot of pretty cool videography work around uh, downtown Idaho Falls. Uh, You get to see some of of the falls itself. I put together some pretty cool clips in there with some music added. So feel free to give that a a watch after this show. Um, In the meantime, I got some other stories I want to tell you guys. Um, You know, know, after I bought the new running shoes, uh, my, my wife and I signed up for another 5K in Arco, Idaho, for this event that they put on called Atomic Days. And honestly, I don't know too much about it, but I know it's about nuclear-related things and how they're showing support for that kind of community. Um, (laughs) I mean, that's me guessing. I I don't really know for sure. Uh, How's it going, McKenna? Welcome to the live podcast. Glad to see you here. Um, But I I ran that 5K, and it was actually really interesting because I'd never been to Arco ever in my life. Like, I've driven... Um, so craters of the moon is pretty close to where I live and you have to go through Arco to get to craters of the moon, but I've never really noticed it. I don't know how, um, but I just never did. Maybe it's cause I'm always sleeping on the way to craters of the moon, but, um, it was actually a pretty cool little thing. There weren't a ton of people there. There are maybe like 50 competitors running in this thing, a lot of local people. And actually the people who won the 5k on the, on the 4th of July were at this event pretty sure they won it again. It was like a 17 year old and a 15 year old kid, um, from both, uh, sex categories. So 
anyways, it was really interesting because we started out. So in the, in the firecracker 5k, I, I kept pace with my wife cause I wasn't really sure. I don't know. I just thought I'd stay with her. It was our first time ever doing anything like that. So I wanted to like stay there with her. Um, and our, our time for that was like my time it personally was 36 minutes, 26 seconds. And, you know, we walked a few times here and there and it was, it was all right because it was our first time and we were just doing it for fun. But this fire or this, uh, atomic days, 5k, we started, started out the race and, you know, we get around the first corner and it was just kind of like, we were taking it easy for just a second. And I asked, asked my wife, Kelly, I'm like, so what's the plan? And she's like, well, I'll, I'm going to try to stay, keep pace with you. And then if you start to pull away, that's fine. And pretty much as soon as she said that, I'm like, okay, sounds good. And I started to pull away just because like, I wanted to see, get a true time for myself to find out how fast I can do this thing. If I push myself, what my time would be like. And so I ended up running this thing in about, what was it? 27 minutes, 32 seconds. That was my true time. My first ever true time for a 5k when I was actually pushing myself. I only had to walk a couple times and that's mostly because there was a long stretch of road where the sun's just beating down on my back and where I've been running for two and a half miles up to that point. It was really hard to keep going. Oh my gosh, this cat. George, oh my gosh. <laughs> Whoa, that was almost a disaster. Cat jumps on my computer, almost steps on my power button. That would have been game over. Oh my gosh. Whoa, whoa. Glad I prevented that one. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, so the, I, I, I pushed myself pretty hard, ran it in 27 minutes, 32 seconds. And it feels good. Uh, and actually last night I ran another 5k. Um, me and my wife also just ran over to this park that's close to our house and came back and it happened to be almost exactly a 5k. Um, so I don't know what's gotten into me. Um, I've been running and I've been enjoying it and I have no qualms with that. I'm happy that I'm actually trying to get back in shape. It's, it's kind of funny. Actually, one of my buddies told me that doing these types of running events and just running for fun are the type of things that you do as a married person. That's something that you, he's like, that's something your wife will make you do. And I was like, I just kind of laughed and I was like, well, you know, not really. I'm like, I'm not doing it against my will. I'm doing it because I want to try to get back in shape. He's like, yeah, I know. That's what you do when you get married. <laughs> and I just laughed. But in all honesty, though, because of this whole running thing and, and working out with my wife, I've been able to get closer with her. Uh, we never really worked out together before. We've always gone separately with our friends or just not at all. And so there's a great sense of togetherness that you can build when you're, you're struggling to accomplish the same thing, whether that's running a 5k, um, or encourage, encouraging each other in your CrossFit workouts, which I have been doing a little bit of lately. Um, she has a membership at a gym nearby and I go as her guest sometimes and I, and I get a little workout in, um, and I have, those are actually really fun too. I mean, quick workouts, we we're, you're only there for like an hour and you're moving the entire time. So it's really productive. Um, but you know, th those classes are Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays. And so catching the Wednesday class is kind of hard. Like she's already at that class right now. It starts at six 30. So, um, but anyways, I've got to show you guys this. There's, this is a totally, you know, going off on a little tangent here before we get started with the actual sports. Uh, Jason says a regular Forrest Gump. <laughs> yeah. Turning into forest, except I'm not running across the country and growing a giant beard, although that would be pretty manly. Um, so I have to show you guys this. i got to take my headphones off first. Um, well, I'll wait. Hang on. 
I have to tell you the story before I can take the headphones off. But but it's about this hat. This hat's friggin' awesome, okay? So this weekend, this last weekend, uh, me and my friends decided we were going to have a non-fancy party. And what that means is it's basically a party where you like you co- sort of dress up, but then you add some elements to your outfit that make it like not professional at all. So then the whole idea is that it's not fancy. <laughs> um, how's it going, Perry? Welcome to the show, my dude. Um, and so the idea was that we were that day we went, this is on Saturday. We went to the thrift shop here in downtown Idaho falls and we were just shopping for all different kinds of fancy clothes we could find. And so we found like some blazers. Some of us found blazers and sombreros and, um, and a whole bunch of different types of sporting equipment and professional attire (laughs) And I ended up going like sporty professional. I mean, go figure. But so what's funny is I went to a school here um, and none of my friends went to my high school. And I bought the uh, basketball jersey, like an old basketball jersey that belonged to their high school. And it was just the funniest thing because everybody I was with went there, but I didn't. And it also has the number 24 on it. And I thought about getting some iron on letters and putting Bryant on the back (laughs) just to be like, yeah, Kobe Bryant, he... He went to school in Idaho Falls. You didn't know that? Just like try to fool people who just don't know sports. I think that'd make a pretty great YouTube video as well. How's it going, Brian? Welcome to the show, man. I'm just getting started here. I'm telling a few stories before we dive into sports. Um, but anyways, I bought that jersey. I bought that's I pretty much bought that, and I bought this hat. So I have to show you. This is a brand new hat, by the way. There, the tag was still on it. I got this hat for $4. The jersey that I bought was was less than that. The jersey was 3 The hat was 4 But check this out. Okay, I'm going to put this in front of... Well, it's kind of... It's backwards for you guys, I think. Because it's uh, just... I'm using the selfie cam. But if you can't read that backwards... If you can't read that backwards, it says... Final 4 NCAA 2001 in Twin Cities. And then on the on the band here, 2001 NCAA Final Four. And this hat, man, it's got like a off-white cream color on the front part, and then it goes white on the back, adjustable. But, dude, this hat was in pristine condition when I bought it. Brand spanking new. And so <laughs> my outfit was really interesting that day. Uh, or for that party, it was like I wore basketball shorts that matched the color of the jersey that I had. I wore a long sleeve white shirt button up dress shirt that I tucked in with the jersey, or I left the jersey untucked. So the jersey was sort of like my sweater vest, and I had this dress shirt underneath with you know. So I had a, it was a tank top jersey, obviously, and the white long sleeve dress shirt. On so I looked kind of like Jack Sparrow with the fluffy things coming out of my sleeves, um, but then I put on my a tie that also matched the blues I was wearing and the shorts and the jersey, and I tucked that tie right down into my jersey. So and then I had the hat on and I was wearing it frontward like forwards like like a a normal person I guess, and I looked like I was the number one draft pick going up to the stage and uh, shaking Adam Silver's hand. I'm not kidding because I had, I had like. 
it looked like it, but then I obviously, cause it was 2001 NCAA final four hat. What kind of player wears that up on the stage when they're getting their, uh, you know, getting drafted, but then wearing the Jersey over the top, it's like, yeah, my high school Jersey, <laughs> but it was a, it was a lot of fun. There was, um, there was fun had, we actually played some croquet. We played some badminton, um, and we were going to play bocce ball, but it got dark before we could big time bummer. I wish we had just played bocce ball instead of the badminton. That would have been a better better game. But anyways, guys, welcome to episode 18 of the pod. We've got some fun things to talk about today. I'm not going to lie. I threw together the outline last second, um, and that's okay because I've had two weeks to think about what I want to talk about today. So I think we've got a good, a good show for you guys. We'll start off with the weaker section of the NFL. So the countdown now for the NFL is 50 days. 50 days until the season starts on September 7th. And I'm kind of excited. I'm most, I most I've talked about this before. I'm not I don't have a team in the NFL, so I'm not excited about a certain team showing up and trying to get wins. I'm more excited for the matchups that are going to happen this year and the players that are playing for particular teams. Um, but there is a story that's going around that's uh, going it could affect the beginning of the NFL season um, possibly and it has to do with what our title is about. Ezekiel Elliott is in double trouble. Yeah, that's right. I don't know if you saw the video or or the news or the headlines or what, but apparently he was up in a club. I don't know where he was at, but he was in the club, and he got into an altercation with the DJ. Like, of all the people at the party, you have to hurt the guy who is putting on the party. Like, he's getting the party jumping, and I don't know what, what, what he said to him, but apparently Ezekiel Elliott just rocked him. Just just punched him out. KO right there on the dance floor. KO on the dance flow, if you will. And apparently there's a video of the guy like on the ground unconscious and like rolling around trying to wake up. And it's like, dude, that's messed up. I mean, you don't know what he said. Maybe he said something about his mom. You got to defend your, your family's honor. But I don't know what he said. I should probably... There was There's no transcript of that event. <laughs> but kind of it kind of sucks because Ezekiel Elliott was one of the best players in the NFL last year him and Dak Prescott were like the rookie duo that you don't see very often I would argue that Ezekiel Elliott and Dak Prescott were up for rookie of the year and the fact that Dak Prescott got it is only because he's quarterback I think Ezekiel Elliott had the more impressive season Um, although Dak Prescott did have to come uh, he had to replace Tony Romo and then he also put Tony Romo out of a starting spot and and basically forced Tony Romo to retire. Um, but, I mean, let's face it, he gets injured all the time anyways, and he's old. He sh- probably should have retired. Sorry, Cowboys fans. <laughs> but Ezekiel Elliott, man, after one year in the NFL and uh, players on their team that have a history of being in trouble with the law and doing stupid stuff, he goes and does it himself. He punches a DJ, which is probably going to be like some harassment charge or something. But then not only that, I don't know if it's the same day or the day after, but he was driving like a hundred miles an hour in a 70 mile an hour zone and he got pulled over. And I saw things today in the news saying that the investigation of Ezekiel Elliott's events are, have been immediately suspended. So anything all the press that this stuff is getting, they're they're suspending the case, and I I think it's a shady thing to do. It's very Roger Goodellish. I feel like he's in there somewhere. He's like, 
look, guys, he was one of our best publicity people in the NFL last year. We cannot let his reputation get burned this early. We got to cover this up. And so he like, I'm just imagine he reaches out and he's like, he's like, you know what? We can't let this happen. We got to make more money and this is going to hurt our rankings. And, uh, <laughs> uh, probably cause it's so old money. Yeah. Yeah. The, the NFL does not want to lose money. And so I, I think it's so messed up to think about, but why would the, why else would they suspend that investigation? And the news came out like, Oh, it's suspended. Like this isn't important. No, this guy's only abusing people in public. Um, <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Um, but I, you know, hopefully he gets it figured out. Um, I, I saw an interview with Tony Dungy where he was talking about, um, here, I'm going to actually hide the comments on my phone and I'm going to look at the comments on my computer. That seems like a good thing to do. I can read everything here. Um, but Tony Dungy in an interview basically said that they need to remove him from the lineup if the NFL is not going to suspend them himself or themselves because they need to save him from himself. Um, and what that means, like you got to give this guy a punishment of some sort going into the season to let him know that that's not okay. And if you do it internally as an organization, that really, really sends a message saying that if you do this again, you're probably going to lose your spot because somebody else is going to take your position and, you know, like step in for you and sub for you while you're suspended and it, you could lose your job because of it. And after you had such a great year, why would you, you can't just go and throw that away. And you see it all the time, man. You see it all the time in sports. Like players will make it big and then they'll just like blow their fortune on uh, partying and doing these things that get them, put them in situations where they misbehave or they, they lash out and they're, they're not coherent. And so they do stupid stuff. And yeah, Brian, it sends, it sends a message to the team too. It lets the team know that the organization is behind them. They're not going to let this rookie, you know, soon to be sophomore NFL player come in and think he can do whatever he wants and get away with it. They, I mean, the guy went to college for, I'm pretty sure at least three or four years. I think, I mean, most NFL players go the full time. I don't think they can. I don't actually, I don't really know. I can't say that. Um, but you would think that he would be mature enough to not go out and do this type of stuff. I mean, Oh, it's just ridiculous, man. And I, I just keep saying that. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Because you hear this stuff all the time. And I, I saw a meme that, it, and it's you know, NFL memes can be a little bit insensitive at times. But they they put a picture up. It was like a bunch of prison mates in, in their orange garbs, like lined up for lunch or whatever, or lined up for check-in after, after recess or whatever you call it. And the tagline on the image was like, oh, check it out. It's all the cowboys lining up for practice. And it's just like, oh my goodness. They get they have a bunch of criminals on their team, is basically what they're saying. I think they had the, the Greg Hardy guy, the tight end who also played no, it was just for them. I think he like ended up murdering some people. I don't know. It's just it's just terrible, man. I, I hate to see players just piss away their future like that. Um just making stupid decisions. Like be more responsible. You've got things to look after with your life. Your career just started. But I don't know. That's pretty much all that's happening in the NFL. I did watch a video of Marshawn Lynch throwing out the first pitch at an Oakland A's game. And he's just a goober, as you know. That was pretty funny to watch. Um, 
go go give that a look. But he's one of the guys I'm looking forward to this year. And I also want to see what Adrian Peterson can do in, in New Orleans. Um, man, NFL. 50 days away. Get ready for it if you're a fan. Get ready. Um, I'm pretty sure that when that when the season picks up, I'll be covering a lot more NFL stuff, and I'll be a lot more in the loop because it's kind of hard to pay attention to the off-season stuff when it's all this stupid stuff of players getting in trouble, blah, 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 Colin Kaepernick, you know, political things. So <laughs> uh, I'd rather cover the actual footage of the games and talk about the fun parts in there. But speaking of first pitches and baseball and stuff, that's a terrible transition into baseball. Uh, <laughs> so... As we all know, Aaron Judge won the home run derby in explosive fashion. He hit a home run off of the ceiling of the Seattle Mariners. Uh, Was it Seattle Mariners? Holy crap, guys. Where was it? MLB All-Star Weekend or All-Star 2017. It was either Miami or or where is it? Come on. There's got to be something in that. Where was it? Perry, tell me. I need you. Miami. There we go. (laughs) My gosh. I suck. But in Miami, I saw this video about, um, uh, like, talking about how scientists and and engineers and architects, the people who designed that building, they designed it in such a way that there's no way that any human could hit a baseball off the roof and have it be a distraction. And they even, they're like, just in case, we'll make a rule that if you hit it up into the air and it happens to hit the roof, that's technically a live ball. So if it actually, if it hits the roof and goes over the fence, then that's still a home run. But if it hits the roof and drops in play, that's still a live ball and the player has a chance to catch it. And, and then if it, it lands out of bounds and fall, foul ball territory, it's a foul ball. I'm pretty sure that's exact, that's how they put it. But sure enough, of all, all people, the person who's going to hit that roof is Aaron Judge. I mean, in batting practice before the All-Star game, like, you know, it, during the season, a couple games before that, he hit one like 510 feet. Like, that's insane. I mean, at the local ballpark here, the center field is like 390. And, I mean, that's that's like single-A baseball, though. So I guess that makes sense. Sorry, one of my cats is, like, making some suspicious noises, and I didn't like it. Anyways, that's two cat things that have happened today. Um, but Aaron Judge hit one off the roof. And the crowd went crazy. They're like, what? What did I just witness? I can't believe it. <laughs> but what's crazy about the home run derby is it turns out that the best competitor for Aaron Judge, was, uh, he came in the first round. So Aaron Judge went up against Justin Bauer, and Bauer hit 22 home runs. Aaron Judge hit twenty his 23rd home run on like his last pitch, which is insane. That's so many home runs in one round. The closest to that was 17 by Gary Sanchez. But, I mean, everybody was saying that his his biggest competitors were going to be um, Gian, Giancarlo Stanton and Cody Bellinger. But it turns out it was the number seven seed who was his closest and toughest competition, having one fewer home runs than him with 22. That's just insane, man. Because, I mean, after that, Aaron Judge went on to bat, go up against 
Cody Bellinger, he still only hit one more than Bellinger. But seriously, though, I mean, 23 in one round and then going to 13 and still winning. I mean, <laughs> it just sucks that Justin Bauer went against him in the other bracket because, like, if Justin Bauer was in the end with him, that would have been a hell of a showdown. 23, 22 home runs coming down to the wire. That would have been a beautiful home run derby. But apparently it was super fun to watch. I didn't watch it. I was busy. Go figure. Um, <laughs> doing other other grown-up things besides watching sports. I know it's terrible. But apparently it was very exciting to watch. And, it, you know, there have been years where it's not so much that way. Um, but one thing I can appreciate about the All-Star game when it comes to the MLB is that they actually try you know, like the defense and the offense are all they're they're there, whereas in like the NBA, it's totally different. Um, and I know that the NBA is open to new ideas. If people have ideas, you can send them in, and they will um, they will, you know, if you if you present something that's worth it, they will use it. Like that's how cool the NBA is about things. Um, and uh, actually, one of my buddies, AJ Rupp from Dapper Sports. He wrote an article. It was an open letter to, an open letter to uh, Adam Silver. He says how to improve the NBA All Star Game. An open letter to NBA Commissioner Adam Silver. And he also emailed it to him. He got a a, a template response back from him. But it's actually really really interesting. Like here are some of the headings he had he proposed uh, to make the NBA All Star Game better. I'll leave the link in the in the description for this as well. Um, uh, here, I'll actually share it with you guys in the comments. Let's see. Josh Hamilton hit 27 one year in one round. Holy cow. That's a lot. Here, I'm going to drop this in the comments. So this is the article my friend AJ wrote on his blog. Since we're talking about all-star games and stuff, this is a solid tangent to go on. I'm just going to read the headlines here, like his solutions. Uh, here's some ideas to make the NBA All-Star game better. Invite each player to play for their charity of choice. And he, so he brought up this headline, sent it to Adam Silver, and I swear, like after the All-Star game, they were talking about ways to improve the All-Star game, and he mentioned this. I don't know if AJ thought of this himself uh, or if he heard of it somewhere else and he's trying to generate traction for it, but I like to think it's original, and he sent his letter to him, and I'm and it, the article is well written enough, and it's from a credible source. Why wouldn't you read it? So, invite each player to play for their charity of choice. That would make them want to compete. It says each player will be invited to represent a charity about which they are passionate. During the game, each player will have a special patch on their jersey, preferably over their hearts. Oh, nice touch, AJ, to highlight their charity of choice. That is beautiful. That would make everybody want to compete to get to win the money for their charity. Uh, here's more. Offer a monetary reward that will be split between each member of the winning team and donated to each winning player's charity of choice. So the charity thing is still involved there. And if they play lackluster and and they don't they don't try very hard, that's going to reflect on their reputation. Like, dude, you're trying to help out this nonprofit and you're not even doing anything to, to help it. So just ridiculous. Uh, another one, give each quarter of the game an incentive and raise the stakes as the game progresses. Um and then it says, why award the donations by points per quarter instead of the total score? So it even breaks it down. So, man, give that a read. That's an awesome read. I, I forgot about that article that he wrote. Uh, thanks, AJ. Um, I, will, I will link that to you 
in the description of my SoundCloud and YouTube. Um, actually, uh, Dapper Sports is on the move to the to the East Coast. Sad to hear that news, but it's for good things, and I wish them the best of luck over there. And anyways, sorry for the NBA tangent. I have a little more baseball to talk about. So I've been going to the local baseball games here, the Idaho Falls Chuckers. Uh, you saw me the one time repping the, the Idaho Falls Chuckers hat on the podcast. Um, but I have to talk about a few t- a few things. They give away so many free tickets, man. It's crazy. Like the one of the banks here in town, they gave out like 2,500 tickets to the games. Just general admission, you can go any night. And so, like, the first night that they had that that uh, event or since they gave out the tickets was freaking packed. Like, we usually sit third base line because that's where you get the most shade. It's pretty hot in the evenings. But we get there. I mean, we got granted, we got there a little bit late, okay? We got there a little late. And it's probably my fault. But we wanted to get some dinner before the game because the prices are super expensive there. And I'm glad we ate before the game because when you get there, with this deal going on, all the free tickets and stuff, there were the lines were like forever long. And not only that, but their service is terrible. And they keep running out of food. It's like you guys can't be prepared for this, but get this, man, okay? A single cheeseburger at the baseball game, seven dollars. Okay? Seven dollars. <laughs> A double cheeseburger, ten dollars. So just think, like like we went and ate downtown Idaho Falls at this place called The Kelt. It's like a bar restaurant. They have super good food. Our bill would have was was cheaper. Was okay, I lied. I had a beer there too for dinner. So our total was like $24, $25. Go to a baseball game, you get two double cheeseburgers and you're almost at that number already. Man, I mean, I get it. You get, the money's going to the team, you're supporting the local team, but it's hard. So I'm glad we ate dinner beforehand, especially on that night where the lines were insane. Um, but another thing I have to mention, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I love going to these local baseball games. I love repping my local team. I, I bought a polo and a flat bill hat from them. Like, come on. I, I totally love supporting my team. I'll, I go to as many games a year as I can. I've been going since I was a tiny little person, tiny little kid. So I support my teams, but man, like after all these years, you would think that they would get some people there that can do things well like (laughs) they use it as a a great summer job for high school kids i think that's part of it so like they hire a lot of high school kids to run the grill and the customer service at like all of the concession stands um and then like the people who do the games in between innings i swear they're like interns like summer interns uh where they're like they're into sports biz and so they're they're (laughs) They just put them in these exp- in these promotions where they use microphones and they're like, all right, guys, we're going to do a game now. You know, if you've ever been to a local baseball game or a baseball game in general, you know what I'm talking about. Like in the MLB where the freeze, you have to – like somebody races that guy in the spandex suit and you try to beat him. Um, then you have the mascot races. You've got dizzy bat races, all, di- all different kinds of things uh, where you – you race the the mascot around the bases. And so it's just crazy to me that these guys can't get it. And I think it's just because they they get these interns who it's their first time doing it and they don't know how to do it. And then they just cycle them out every year. And so they can never get that good at what they're doing. What I'm saying is these people who come out and try to hype people up for these mid-inning games are terrible. I mean, I, 
okay, I have to I have to say that with a grain of salt. I, what I mean is, I'm glad that they're getting the experience they need for their career or whatever they're doing, whatever they want to do in their life. I want them to be happy, okay? But I swear, I'm about this far from applying for one of those marketing positions in the evenings where I get to run those games and I get to hype people up because I feel like I could do a pretty good job of that. Like there's one guy there who crushed it one time this year. And then after that, they give the mic over to somebody else and they're like, uh, we're going to play this game guys. Let's hear some noise for this person. And the crowd's like, yay. <laughs> and then they're like, all right, go ahead. Do, do the thing that we do in this game. And they do it. And there's like no cheer. And it's just silence crickets man and i'm like you got to get the people going got to get them amped man you got to use some expletives or some replacement expletives like holy shnikes you know say something that makes people look like what did he just say but then they laugh because they're like that was silly (laughs) and it's great like that makes for a fun game experience for me as as a fan so anyways I don't, don't get me wrong. The games are still super fun. I love going to the games. I'll never stop going, but man, they can improve on some stuff. So moving on to the NBA, there was some action that was had in the summer league. Um, things are looking bright for some teams, other teams, obviously they weren't playing with their all-stars. So there's that, but the Lakers ended up winning summer league championship over the Portland trailblazers just a few nights ago Um, from what I saw and all the highlights and the recaps and the interviews and everything, you know, I am trying to stay as far away from law of from LeVar ball as possible. Anything he has to say, I think is just loaded and it's all for ratings for ESPN. Um, What is my cat doing? Oh, three cat comments, guys. Tally is rising, but I'm, I just think they're using him to boost their ratings and all this stuff. So I try to stay away from that. But Lonzo, on the other hand, this guy, he seems like a pretty down to earth person after I've like, I've watched him and all this stuff. Obviously he's, he is representing the big baller brand. I get that. So that's not very humble right there. Uh, But he himself as a person is actually pretty laid back, wants to work, wants to succeed wants to put his players in positions uh, where they can win. Seems to be all he cares about. Also, he has a really fun playing style to watch. Um, But, I mean, it's not just Lonzo Ball that gives the Lakers a bright future. They've got Kyle Kuzma, Vander Blue, who was the MVP of the G League, and then this guy named Alex Caruso. I think he's a a sub. He comes off the bench for Lonzo. But, man, this guy, he, he, like, stuffed the stat sheet one of the games in the Summer League. And he was like super impressive. And soon after his, his couple games where he did so well, they signed him to a contract for, I don't know, it was like a year or two years or what. Um, but he has kind of a creepy mustache. And I mean, don't get me wrong. When my mustache grows out a little bit, it looks a little creepy, but you know, sometimes I just don't care. Uh, <laughs> but this guy's on TV. Okay. I'm on the internet. I get it. I'm also in the wrong here. Anyways, I was impressed by him, and I'm glad the Lakers signed him up. I think that he can be of great help. He's kind of a, he's elusive, but in like a slow kind of way, kind of like a James Harden Eurostep kind of way, where it's just like blah blah blah, you know what I mean. But also, 
Lonzo Ball missed two games in the summer league. Uh, one of them, he was going against Fox. Or no, not Fox. Yeah, it was Fox. And everybody was saying, oh, he's just sitting out because he doesn't want to go against him again. When really, he had like a, like a minor groin strain or something like that. And then he also stayed out of the championship game because of a, a mid-calf strain. You know, pretty mild things, but with your number one pick in the draft, you kind of want to take it easy with him. I mean, I think they did the same thing with Julius Randle. Oh, Julius Randle was out for a year also. Holy crap. So, yeah, they're taking it easy with him, and I think that's a smart call on their part. Um, but it's so clear to me that Lonzo Ball, I mean, he got he got Summer League MVP. <laughs> Claps for him. Um He's backing up the talk that his dad did for him. I'll put it that way. <laughs> uh, but I have some stats here. I've got some stats. So in summer league, holy crap, he averaged 32 and a half minutes, shot 38%, 24% from three, 77% free throws. And then his points per game, he had 16.3, but 9.3 assists one block per game, and 7.7 rebounds. So he, honestly, he wasn't terribly far from averaging a triple-double, especially with the number of games that they play. Um, but those numbers tell me straight up that Lonzo Ball is a pass-first point guard. I mean, you have players like Russell Westbrook who put up like 30 points and still get a triple-double. Um, by like they, they managed to get like 11 assists or 10 assists. That's because he just has the ball in his hands a lot. Well, Lonzo Ball, like... He passes more than he shoots, much more than he shoots. And it's exciting to watch, too, because he makes some crazy passes. But I'm not going to lie. I mean, I'm a Lakers fan. I, I don't talk about the Lakers specifically all that much. But uh, they did so well in Summer League. When you win the championship like that, um, with a young roster like that, I mean, obviously, Summer League is four young players. I get it. But that's a great step for the Lakers. I mean, they're one of those organizations that have been been on top several times um, throughout history and for extended periods of time, like Kobe's, Kobe's era, Kareem and Magic, um, like those two things right there, Wilt Chamberlain way back. So the Lakers have a history of winning, and it seems like they're starting to get a little bit of that edge back again. Um, <laughs> Perry says, boo. I didn't see when that comment came in, but... <laughs> Uh, but I think you were saying the best to going to baseball games. I know Perry goes to a lot of Rangers games. Um, but I can't wait to watch Lonzo play with Jordan Clarkson, Julius Randle, and Brandon Ingram more. I mean, their lineup is so young. like, and, and the potential for them this year is so nice. It's so bright. And so I think I've got a few games on my calendar. I, don't, I haven't checked the schedule yet. I don't even know if it's out. But... Next basketball season, I'm going to a Lakers game. I want to see Lonzo Ball play. Um, and that has nothing to do with Big Baller brand. Nothing at all. Um, actually, another thing on that, I saw an interview with him where this girl was like, so you were alluding to me earlier that um, you had something big in the works. And she goes, are you trying to start some kind of bidding war by wearing everybody else's shoes? Uh, so a little backstory on that. He wore both pairs of his Big Baller brand shoes, like the ZO2 originals, the black ones, and then he wore the Laker colorway of those. 
And then after he wore those shoes, he also wore James Harden shoes. He wore Kyrie's, I think, or no Kobe's. He, he wore the Kobe ADs, like a really sick purple version. Cat. That's four comments of cats. Get out of her. Guys, this cat. He's for free. If you want a cat, I will mail him to you. <laughs> I will not. Please stay off my case, PETA. But anyways, <laughs> sorry about that. He wore the Kobe ADs. Then he wore some Kyrie's. Or not Kyrie's. He wore Curry's. And so this girl asks him if he's trying to start a bidding war. And he just looks at her and he's like, <laughs> something like that. And I was like, oh my gosh, guys, he, it's all, it's a, it's a long con. They put out their own shoe for $500. Cause it's ridiculous. Who does that? And then all of a sudden he comes out and he's like, I'm just kidding, man. I want to, I want to be with Nike. Nike gives him 14,000, million trillion dollars. And he's like, hey, gotcha. It's a scheme. He's a schemer and a plotter. Look out. Going for the big bucks. <laughs> but what's funny, though, about the Lakers is people like Julius Randle have come out and said stuff like, you know, I've got to get in shape to play with Lonzo because he likes to run the ball, and we haven't done that much in the last couple of years, so I've got to get in shape. And I, they put up, like, before and after pictures of him, like, before Lonzo and after, and they may have been exaggerated, but... Dude's looking fit. I think he can run the court with him. So I'm looking forward to that. Julius Randle, is, he's one of those like reckless, reckless athletic big men who can just like hurt you. So I look forward to that. We'll see what happens. Well, anyways, I think that does it for all of our sports content in this podcast. Uh, we're keeping this one actually a little short, which is fine with me. You know, going an hour is kind of a long time. So keep it short. Keep people engaged. It's all good. But before we go, we got to talk about teamwork. Teamwork, the importance of it, where you see it in sports and maybe real life? Question mark? Upward inflection? So, teamwork. Yeah, this is one of those buzzwords you hear when you're playing YMCA basketball or, or t-ball or soccer. They always talk about teamwork. You got to work with your team. Pass the ball around. Follow the game plan. <laughs> Elementary school, you weren't talking about game plan. But it's more like getting everybody involved, making everybody feel like they belong, and being friends. That's what it was back in the, in the, the youth days. I can hear my cat trying to get in the trash can, and it's hilarious because it's locked and he can't. But anyways, <laughs> so teamwork, when you're young, it starts out as like, being inclusive and like passing the ball to your teammates when you can't dribble. And it kind of sp sends a message really early in your life, you know, work with others. That's what teamwork means. And so then you, when you get up into like middle school, when you're playing for the middle school basketball team, and I'm, I use basketball because that's what I'm most familiar with, but it goes with for any sport and you know it. Baseball might be a little different. I mean, the obvious and, and on defense, there's, not quite as much teamwork involved, but everybody does play a part in the bigger picture. That's teamwork. And I'm, I'm just throwing this at you in as many different angles as I can. But so youth, they teach you as it, it, it's like a inclusive, include everybody on your team, be friendly with them and pass the ball, share. 
And then when you get to middle school, it's more like like you learn plays in the offense or you you start to learn more intricate details about the sport that you didn't know before. But still, the the common thing is if you're working together, you can achieve what you're trying to do, and that's win. So if you if you run your offense smoothly and you pass the ball properly and you hit the right outlet passes and you hit the right inlet passes, all of those things, if you skip the ball, skip pass at the right time, that's all about keeping in mind where your teammates are and putting the ball where it needs to be to spread the floor and get the separation from the defense so you can score. That's teamwork through movement and through passing and sharing the ball. And and there's no nothing more beautiful to me in sports in terms of like technique and abilities than there's nothing more beautiful than a team that can pass the ball around so smoothly without even dribbling and get a wide open shot and score. And it's just like it's so crazy to me because like everybody is focused on doing what they're supposed to be doing. They have their eye on the next pass. And so as it comes in, they keep it rolling. They hit the open guy and boom, it's, it's, it's go time. And I I love seeing that type of stuff. Like the Spurs a few years ago when they won the championship, they were one of the funnest teams to watch ever for me. I mean, I'm a big Lakers fan and they saw the Spurs a lot in the playoffs in the Western conference finals. And I have to admit it was some beautiful basketball. I mean, then again, my Lakers were not competing in, the last three years. So it's easy for me to notice another Western team. (laughs) Uh, The Warriors are the same, have like are the second, they're like the next Spurs from that time. So the number one play of the year or the number one assist of the year was that play. If you've watched any basketball, it was a tip that had where they had to like tip the ball. You know, it was a jump ball and they throw the ball up. It was like at one of the free throw lines, and it was opposite side of the Golden State Warriors basket. So the, the ref throws the ball in the air, and I think it was Zaza Pachulia gets the tip, tips it back to Draymond Green, who then outlet passes it straight down to Steph Curry, who just catches it and throws the ball up backwards over his head for Kevin Durant to come by and throw it down. The ball didn't touch the ground once off of a tip-off on the other side of the court. That is teamwork, and that's knowing where your players, your team teammates are. So you can, they're in the position where they need to be. And if you know that, you just get the ball to them, and they're going to get it to the next spot. So it's like everybody is thinking a play ahead. And I think that's such great teamwork. So another place I can mention teamwork would be like in the NFL. Like one of the craziest bits of teamwork I think in the NFL is like in the offensive line. For example, like you're running a, a run play where you're trying to create a gap for the running back to get through. So as a lineman, you have to know like which direction you're going, what moves to use. So you have like your own agenda, but at the same time, by you moving this way, him moving this way, and the other two guys going the other way, you're creating a gap in the center. Um, and then other blockers, like I think blocking, like team blocking in football is one of the most teamwork-oriented things about the game. That's just my opinion. I mean, there's obviously the bigger picture of like, you know, everybody runs the correct route, the correct passing route, and they're going to hit the open guy. That's everybody doing their part. That's good teamwork. But I think when you're actually working together in a group to um, achieve something in the game, that's when teamwork is really prominent. Um, And so you have to take... We talked about leadership last week. You got to take leadership in your ability and what you're supposed to do at your position. And by doing your part in the bigger picture, you're 
performing great teamwork. That's really what it is. Oh my gosh, cat. This cat is the worst. I'm trying to jump up here and wreck my whole setup. But yeah, teamwork is very important in sports. Obviously, I mean, teams, sports, it makes sense. We've been taught teamwork since we were little. But what about in real life? Like, where do you see teamwork in real life? Let me try to relate this. So for me, it's, it is kind of like a, everybody's goal is to get a project done on time, on budget, and you play a role in that process. And that role is where, where the teamwork comes together. But also, um, when you, there are multiple people working on a project, teamwork in a big way is about communication. Um, and you know, communication could be one of those in another intangible, but really, cause you can't really measure it in a stat column or anything like that. And it's really important, but I think communication happens everywhere. It is a common denominator in every single one of the intangibles. Um, that's why it's not one on its own. So for example, I'm a web designer. Um, I also code websites, but we have like web developers where I work and we have like salespeople, we've got writers and we've got marketing, online marketing people. And so project comes in through a sales call. Salesperson gets that information, puts together a contract, gets it over. And they funnel the information from that client down to me where I, I learn everything about them that I can so I can create an awesome website for them that they will enjoy and it will reach their, their audience as need be. So I'm taking their piece of communication, translating that into a visual design for the client and their service, whatever they offer um, or their product. And then once it's designed, we put it into functionality form where like we code it, we make it work as a website. And then you, and that's, that's me communicating the client's goal with their company. So communication yet again, visual communication. And then from there it goes into user experience. And that's a form of communication where you're interacting with the website with your mouse, you're scrolling through, you're clicking on things. Um, you're ultimately putting the important information in front of them. So it's all just communication and, and people take that in different ways. I mean, we're getting more and more image oriented these days. So like people say words are pictures are worth a thousand words. And it's so true. I mean, when you go to a website, you see like the icon with the three little horizontal lines, you know that that's a menu. You touch that, it opens a menu. Like there's all different kinds of communication that we're using and in, in, in where I work. And it's all a big teamwork thing. <laughs> um, from sale to the design, to the coding, to pushing it live. We're always in communication with the client who's a part of our team in that instance. And then when they go live, then it's all up to their team to continue that dream moving forward. Whatever they're trying to achieve with their their <clears throat> whatever goals they're trying to achieve with their company, they can then go from there. So teamwork is everywhere. And a lot of times like teamwork on on one team side or on one entity's side can translate into teamwork on the next the next thing. So and what I mean by that is like, for example, in my work, when we put a website out, it takes a lot of teamwork and communication to get that thing up and going. And then we hand it off to the client and then they've got to use their team to follow through on the goals that they had in hand uh, when they asked us to build a website. So that's sort of a, my real world explanation of teamwork and, and how, how that can translate into your life. 
I'm curious to hear. I mean, if you want to share where you see teamwork in your place of work, I want to hear about it because I think, I mean, it's one of those things just that the whole point of the intangibles is that they are everywhere and you never know where you'd see it. Like people who don't work in that, in your profession would never think of it being there, like teamwork being a thing there. This cat, that's like six cat comments, guys. That's a record. It's got to be a record. Um, but yeah, share your thoughts on teamwork and where you've seen it before. What you thought was a great example of teamwork or like the pinnacle, what you should be exemplifying as teamwork. Um, but then tell me about like where you see it in your real life. Um, I think communication, that's the key to teamwork. I mean, it's the key to really everything. It's a two-way road. You, That's how you work together. Teamwork, boom. It's that easy. All right. So now we're moving on to the next intangible. We're almost done with these, by the way. So we can get into some different questions after this is over. Um, let me get to the intangibles here. After teamwork is focus. Focus. All right. So the question and discussion for next week is going to be talk about focus and where you see it in sports. And then also try to think about where you where focus shows up in real life and how that's important. So that's that's the weekly question and discussion for next week. But anyways, guys, that's all I've got for you. Thanks for everybody who came through today. Um, you know, not not many comments today, but that's all right. I was just I kind of got off tangent here and there and and also my comments are on a different window than normal. But everybody who came through, thanks. I really do appreciate it. Um, again, you can find this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud and YouTube. Uh, please drop a comment, like, follow, and subscribe, all of those things. Um, we love to interact with our fans and our fans, listeners, viewers, whatever. So please follow us on all the different outlets that you have. Uh, you'll, you'll definitely want to find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. Handle is Abstract Sports. Look for us on all those outlets. But uh, that's all I've got for you guys today. Um, thanks for tuning in. I really do appreciate it. I hope to see you guys next week. My name is Kyle Richards, and you just listened to the Abstract Sports Podcast. We'll see you next time.